Hi. It's a connect. I'm so thankful for your patience and I'm so thankful we're here now. No problem. Let me just increase my volume. Hold on one second. Welcome to the Lift Oneself podcast, Monica. I am so thankful you're here with me. Uh, Natalie, thank you so much. It's an absolute honor to finally be able to connect in person, and I'm happy to be here. I took a, a few tries where I had to cancel, and I am so thankful for you being so gracious and patient and being able to reschedule. So thank you for that. Oh, no problem. Life happens, and you know, um, it was meant for us to be together today. Yes, exactly. In 2024, a great way to start the year. Absolutely. Let's uh, join in breath together so that we can come into the moment. So just close your eyes and just focus on your breath. And just watching that breath go in and out. And if you can, just breathe in and out through your nose. I'm going to ask you to create an intention that you want to bring forth in the podcast in this conversation today. Focusing on your breath. Ready? Gently. Slowly open your eyes. How is your heart doing? Doing well. It's uh, it's open and filled with gratitude. You recently, actually, before I go into that, how about you explain to the listener who Monica is? So Monica um, is plays many roles, um, and I think it's just recently I came to really understand the true essence of Monica after removing all these labels that we 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 have on us right so monica is a clinical pharmacist um i am a mental health and grief advocate i'm a mom of two teens i'm a medical writer um and i currently am working um on a children's book so soon to be author But Monica at her true essence, her true spirit is just a silly, funny girl. I love that. I love that. I think the older that we get, we realize to be in our childlike essence and to be playful and to um, really drop the seriousness of taking everything so seriously. I know at a young age, we can, you know, attain for the careers and have to, you know, buckle down. Yet we come to see that when you can be more light and playful, you're able to flow with life in such a different way. Um, you recently did a silent retreat. Can you let us know how that was and how long it was and what prompted you to to engage in that? Yeah, you know, um So I did uh, a four-day silent retreat in October called Vipassana, um, which is a state of silence, basically, once you translate that um, terminology. And it was four days long. 
And, you know, I began this beautiful spiritual path in 2021 with um, uh, some like-minded friends. Um, Simi, uh, who you happen to know, um, introduced me to this beautiful uh, spiritual center in Temecula called Seventh Chakra Institute of Spiritual Sciences. And I was introduced to the beautiful work of Priya Jane, who happens to be my amazing spiritual wisdom teacher. And um, I did a retreat with her uh, in 2022. And then in 2023, um, you know, she was hosting a silent retreat and something was just drawing me to, to this space. And I have to tell you, Natalie, one of the most amazing experiences of my life better than any Hawaii vacation um, because it was the vacation of the mind. And it's it was one of the most um, liberating uh, experiences, feelings. You know, you are in complete silence for four days. Um, we would start our mornings off at 5.30 in the morning with something called a sadhana. And sadhana is just basically, um, you know, uh, connecting with the higher being um, through uh, chanting, through meditation. Um, and then at 7.30, we would welcome uh, the sunrise. And so it's just literally two hours of just um, intense meditation. And then all of a sudden, you have this beautiful energy of the sun in your face. And I remember the first time I experienced that I was moved to tears because I was in the face of the divine. I had never felt anything like that in my life. Um, even growing up, you know, I'm Hindu by, by culture, uh, you know, have very spiritual parents, but it's not until that moment where I was like, oh my God, like my soul has just been touched. Um, and then over the next few days, um, it was just learning to do everything in silence from eating in silence to group walks in silence to journaling in silence to sitting with ourselves in solitude. And it is probably one of the hardest things you can ever do is to sit with your own thoughts. Um, but then by day three of my silent retreat, no thoughts, zero thoughts, clean slate. And it felt like bliss. I remember um, telling Priya, our spiritual teacher, that I have no thoughts going through my mind. And in fact, I had my mindfulness practice must have gone up by like, a hundredfold. I remember sitting in nature and thinking, wow, it feels so good to turn off all this noise, the noise from the outside world, and then the noise that we create ourselves, right? Our internal dialogue, our, you know, if you think about it, like, I think the number is crazy. It's like you have like 6,000 thoughts that go through your mind in a given few minutes. 6,000 thoughts go through your mind. And then to get to a place of stillness where you have no thoughts, 
nothing. And I remember sitting in that stillness. I'm like, this is what bliss feels like. Um, and then by day four, I felt like a shift in in my um in my energy. So it was now finding myself coming back to the matrix of the Western world. And I work for Walmart Health and Wellness as a clinical pharmacist. So I was thrown back into the crazy noise. And I remember like telling Priya, like, I'm like, I'm having a really hard time because I am craving this silence. So I came back from my silent retreat and just found ways to incorporate silence in my day-to-day life. So I'll still wake up at 5.30 in the morning and I'll do an hour of silent uh, um, meditation, um, breath work. Um, And then throughout my day, um, I'll find little pockets of silence here, silence there. Because once you tap into that, um, you, you want it to become a way of life. It's very difficult to capture into words because it's something that you have to experience to really understand. Yes. Those that have experienced it, they're like, I get it. I, I totally understand what that experience feels like. Um, and, you know, I know sometimes like for the holidays, I turned my phone off on Sunday. So Christmas Eve, and then I didn't turn it back on until Wednesday. And so yeah. during, you know, the holidays and Christmas and everybody wants to text or talk. And I just shut myself off because I recognized me personally, I needed it, but also really engaging with the addiction of stimulus and just really being in that silence and really um, understanding myself even more and, and going into that intimacy more profoundly of, because, you know, we get it. uh, Like, I think what people get confused with, with healing is that, Okay, you can release traumas from your childhood and past, yet life in itself is traumatic because life is still going all the time. So there's going to be new experiences that hit you that you need that silence to be able to regulate your nervous system and just release somatically, you know, your psyche and all this kind of stuff so that you can just be empty and be in that stillness, be in that silence and really just be enriched with it. Because I I can, like, there's sometimes where I go into, like, really deep meditations where I explain to people, I'm like, there is no sex, there are no drugs, there are no alcohol to really bring me to the high that meditations can bring me when I go really deep within myself. And and, and people are like, I can't, and I'm like, when you experience it, you'll get what I'm I'm saying. Um, And it's a beautiful love. So you mentioned in 2021 is when your spiritual path started. Can you explain what prompted you to start this path? Yeah, Natalie, I was seeking answers to life's questions. You know, I had suffered a very profound loss in my life. Um, In 2011, I lost my husband to cancer and I found myself all of a sudden a single mom to two babies. Um, no job, um, had to sell my house. Uh, I guess you can say I hit rock bottom. 
Um, and just, you know, I had always questioned why me, why Monica, why my family? And I, you know, realized, um, after suffering for, you know, with high functioning depression for seven, seven years after my husband's death, that there's more to my life. There's more to my life. And, um, a series of series of different events had led me to a few different friends introducing me to different wisdom teachers. And um, our mutual friend, Simi, had introduced me to Priya, who is, you know, happens to be my favorite, one of my favorite people in the world. Um, and she had mentioned Priya to me, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready because... I truly feel spirituality has to find you. I had to go through the traditional Western treatments of, you know, grief therapy, regular therapy. I was on medications for a while. And then one day out of the blue, I was listening to a podcast and I picked up the phone and I told Simi, I'm like, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to talk to Priya. And it was a time where I really needed to do deep, deep, deep inner healing. There was so much trauma that was stuck inside of me. It was like an onion, you know, had to be peeled and peeled and peeled. And the Western stuff was great, but it was only helping me to the surface. And I needed to go really inward. And that's when I realized that I needed to take this path of spirituality. Um, and it's it's been one of the most amazing healing growth opportunities for me. Thank you for sharing that. Can I know your husband's name? Satish. Satish. So yeah. I just want to welcome him in because his presence is still here and you're you're doing alchemy. The pain of that grief and that loss and you know the anger the frustration the sadness the 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 deep sorrow you've turned that into gold where you know you're you're engaging with it so that you can be that presence for other people and you can speak from that story so yeah. i just want to honor him in this conversation that for me and how i see the world and what my beliefs are is that you're on the other side of love and that is a depth. And so being able to communicate with him, with his spirit spirit and energy, he still is moving forward in these conversations, in these experiences. That's how I see it. So I just want to honor him in this conversation and thank him um, for bringing the gold. And, you know, you were very correct. Spirituality I was kicking and screaming um, with some of it when I had to go on to my path. Yeah, um, It's such a beautiful path. It's It can be very challenging because, again, you have to face yourself. Yes. You have to face the beliefs that you've created. You have to face some emotions, some experiences that you've just suppressed and pushed down that you actually have to feel that pain and let it go through its whole cycle. What caused you or what prompted you to get into being a mental health and grief advocate? Like now I understand because your husband for the grief, 
Um, yet what prompted you to be that advocate and to help others, you know, be like you're like a doula helping others go through the process? Of- so as a clinical pharmacist, I've been practicing clinical pharmacy for over 24 years. I work in a community setting. So I see it all from mental health to physical health. And so all of a sudden in 2012, not only am I the clinical pharmacist, but now I am the patient. I am the patient who has showed up at her doctor's office saying, I need help. Um, I had put some self-stigma on myself that I don't need help from medication until one day I realized I need help. And I always advocate uh, to my patients, use all the toolbox, use the entire toolbox for mental health, therapy, medication, foods, uh, nature, um, inspiring, uplifting books, whatever you need to uplift you. And it wasn't until 2018 when um, I was invited by a host named Alice. Uh, She hosted a show called Smashing the Stigma. Now, I had never done any public speaking in my life. I mean, I did some stuff in college, but that was like part of a course. So she invited me and said, you need to share your story. And I said, I don't even know how to speak publicly. And I was so afraid that I would do the entire interview in tears. And guess what? I did the entire interview in tears. And it was probably till this day, one of my most powerful interviews, because I was raw, vulnerable, showed every emotion that was coming out of me. And something happened to me that day. It was like a little spark. Um, because I got a call from someone saying, oh my God, your episode was amazing. And I sent it to somebody who needed to hear it. And that's made me realize like, oh my God, am I turning my pain into purpose? Like, is this like my dharmic work that I'm supposed to do? And it's basically that moment when I realized, all right. So after that, 2018 to fast forward, um, all these opportunities just started kind of showing up for me. I was invited by Pharmacy Podcast Network to create um, a series called Pharmacists Focused on Mental Health. Uh, So I created that series. Um, Then a year later during COVID, Um, a platform invited me to be a medical writer for a mental health uh, platform called Psychom Pro, where I write real patient case scenarios on mental health from, you know, all types of um, uh, mental health categories. So I realized that this is where I need to be. Um, This is my calling. And, um, it just felt, I, I knew that it was my calling because whenever I would talk publicly about mental health, it filled up my soul. It made me feel good because what I was sharing was helping complete strangers. And um, that's when I realized that, okay, I had to go through what I went through to be in this pain to purpose role. And you're relatable because you're not just speaking theory or textbooks or what it, or as a pharmacist, just prescribing, as you said, you were the patient. 
So it makes it so much more relatable where a person's like, oh, I can see myself in your story. Like you get it. You walk the walk that you're talking. You're not just talking and telling somebody what to do. You actually had to navigate through these waters and learn how to swim um, and even intake water and, you know, figure it out. Um, Very powerful. Do you think COVID had uh, an impact on you going into the spirituality with Priya? Do you think if COVID didn't happen that possibly you would not have hit that that part with being open to speak to Priya or it COVID didn't do anything? So COVID for me, being someone who was working frontline, I was in the thick of it, right? And so here I am a single mom worried about this crazy virus and the world has shut down. Everyone, most people get to work from home or get to stay at home, but I had to go into work. I had to be the one along with all the essential workers, medical teams to provide for the whole, you know, everyone in my community. So what I actually did that really, really helped me is I started taking mindfulness classes during COVID. Um, So Simi sister Roma Ketterpal is um, a a UCLA trained mindfulness um, educator, trainer. So for one whole year, I took mindfulness classes with her. And I think that really helped me kind of carve my path to spirituality because it helped me realize that life is basically essentially to be lived in the present moment. And that is probably one of the biggest gifts uh, that helped me get through this crazy pandemic um, and not worry about like, is this virus going to catch me? And I'm like, what's going to happen to me? Because what if something happens to me, then my children, and it was this like vicious cycle of the unknown. So, and I really feel like what, like I had mentioned to you, spirituality would have found me regardless of COVID or not COVID. Um, I think it was the timing. Um, So I, was have been doing this inner healing work for several years, but I've just felt stuck. I felt like I'm still not getting the answers to life's questions. And I just, I wasn't open to spirituality, you know, in the earlier days, because I was like, I just, I can't listen to any of this stuff. What is this nonsense? You know, my mom even tried to introduce me to like some spiritual people. And I'm like, this is crazy. But like I said, my mind and my heart had to be open to spirituality. And I really believe that until your heart and your your mind is open, um, spirituality is not going to work for you. You have to be in that mind space. You have to be open to it. And I think once I was open to it, that's when it was like, okay, ah, I'm going to embrace this. Um, this path. Um, as a parent and having to deal with the loss of your husband, your partner, how were you able to be there for yourself if you were even able to do that while still having to be there for your daughters and their grief 
and their loss and, and questioning, what did that look like for, you know, being able to provide, but still having to provide for yourself and how yeah. that inter- like intertwined and stuff? The journey has not been easy. It's been um, very, very challenging, but I have found that during this difficult time, these dark times, um, there was so much resilience, resilience with my children, um, my own resilience. You know, I, I didn't know that I had the strength to run a house, raise two babies, work as a clinical pharmacist, um, and still like, you know, take them to Disneyland or, you know, take them to Hawaii or whatever that, whatever, you know, families do. But my biggest support system were my mom and dad. Um, so I had mentioned I had sold my house where I lived, um, moved to um, a new neighborhood about an hour from LA. Ten, I, I bought a house 10 minutes away from my mom and dad. Um, they were like my right hand. Um, whenever I had to work, you know, they would help with the kids. My kids were only three and five when Satish passed away. Um, and so the first five years I worked at an independent pharmacy and I worked every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So for five years, I worked all weekends. So Monday through Thursday, I can focus on uh, the kids during their elementary school days. You know, I, I, I'd want to volunteer in kindergarten. I'd want to go on field trips. Um, and at the same time, I never felt like I was sacrificing my weekends because I knew that this is what I had to do, where I could balance my career as well as be that um, involved parent. And I didn't want the kids to feel like, you know, um, that they didn't have at least one involved parent. And um, and then after that, seven years late, six years later, I switched jobs, and now all of a sudden, um, I have you know the kids are older now; they're teenagers, so I, I have weekends free, which was this whole concept. Like, oh my god, I I don't know what it feels like to have a weekend off. Um, and I remember just the excitement in the kids' eyes and my eyes. I'm like, oh my God, guys, my first Saturday off in five years. Um, I I know that um, it's what I had to do. Um, and now my kids are 16 and 18. My oldest is going off to college. And, you know, I, I'm just really blessed for the, the opportunity that I had to raise them the way I did. Thank you. Thank you for being an inspiration and showing a story of what's possible. And it doesn't mean that it's easy and it doesn't mean um, that those choices weren't difficult to make. Yet, look at, I, I'm so thankful that you're getting your weekends. You're so deserving of it. And the the glow that I'm seeing, it's it's a blessing to be able to feel that energy. Um, cause I can truly feel the excitement and the, the, the disbelief of like, oh my gosh, look at, you know, this half a decade, I had to go through this and now I'm finally being able to breathe and there's some open space and oh my gosh, it feels good. I want to ask, how was, how was it reconnecting with joy? 
Because a lot of times when people go through grief and go through the sadness, it, it takes a while for them, for, well, for some, um, to reconnect with joy, to allow them to feel that joy and not feel that I should still be somber, I should still be sad because that person's not here to share that joy and, and whatever narratives that they have to reconnect in that. Was that a process for you or is it still a process or did you have any difficulty with that? So I think the first five to six years, um, the joy that I, I I found that I was seeking um, were my children. My children are are pretty much my um, had been the reason to wake up in the morning, the reason to move forward, the reason to just carry on. Um, I mean, they saw me struggling. They saw mom crying on the bathroom floor. They saw mom, um, you know, uh, grieving. Um, and I looked for joy in helping others, you know, being a clinical pharmacist, um, you know, being working with patients. Um, there's there's something powerful when there's this word called seva. Seva is a Sanskrit word that is of, to be of service. And when you are helping somebody else, there's this beautiful ripple effect of kind of like, it helps you. It's like self-healing. And so I started finding joy in helping others. If it was, you know, through my patients at work or um, the mental health advocacy work that I started in 2018, I started feeling really um soulful joy um in the work that I was doing. And then I I found joy in my friendships. I am so blessed to have this incredible support system of like-minded friends um who just, you know, are like my cheerleaders in life and they hold my hand on dark days when I'm crying. And they are, you know, doing jumping jacks and cartwheels on the good days. And, and that to me, um, I, I found later, later on in my journey, in the beginning days, I lost a lot of friendships, a lot of friendships who just really couldn't understand um, my journey. And it's, it's literally not until 2018 um, when I reconnected with a, a dear friend, Dr. Deepti Gandhi, um, is when I really felt like, huh, this is the meaning of true soulful friendship. And as a result, just these beautiful soul sisters just started coming into my life. And today it's this beautiful, like, you know, family type of tribe. I just want to, you know, really amplify and highlight that for any listeners, you know, going through grief, there will be some relationships that fall off because they just don't know what to do with the grief that you're experiencing and they don't know how to show up with that or they don't even know how to feel their own emotions so that they're able to listen to you and just hold space for you. Because a lot of times people want to fix and that's not what somebody that is going through grief wants. It's just let me feel what I have to feel and just be that space of listening. 
and yes. let me know that you can witness this without trying to having to shelter or hide away from it or cover it up. Um, so in what is one piece of advice that going through this that you would like other people that need to support people that are going through grief? What is one piece of advice that you would give to those people that uh, to help support somebody? If you are going through grief and you're in the thick of it, give yourself grace. Allow yourself to feel all the emotions. Go through the five stages of the grief that you need to. Um, seek help. Asking for help is a sign of bravery. A lot of people feel like asking for help is a sign of weakness, but no, it's not. Get that help. If it's a go to a doctor, go to a therapist, get on medication if you need to, uh, ask a help for, uh, ask a friend for help. Um, if you have, you know, a, a spiritual leader, um, read uplifting books, uh, listen to uplifting podcasts, um, ask for help. And I remember um, I felt ashamed in my early days because I felt like, oh my God, if I ask for help, is it going to portray me as someone who just can't do it? And now as I advocate and I publicly speak, I want um, listeners to know that mm -mm, it's actually a sign of bravery. So ask for help and to just pat yourself on the back because you're going through this really, really dark time. Um, another thing is cry, cry if you need to. You know, we often think of crying as a sign of weakness as well, but it's not. And in, in fact, it's a, a beautiful way of healing. It's releasing emotions. I remember listening to someone speak one day about like, if someone is crying, the first thing we do is offer them tissue because we want them to stop crying. But you want to do the opposite. You want to not give them the tissue and allow them to cry it out, let those emotions out, and just hold their hand. I tend to uh, cause people to release and, and do those floodgates of tears. Yeah. And uh, I'm always telling them, let it out. And they're like, oh, but I'm getting snot on your shirt or snot. I'm like, let that all out. Don't worry yes. about what you look or what it, let that release um, go. Cause you don't even realize like the somatic release and the psyche and all these things that you've been holding on. For me, I explain to people that tears are much more than sadness. It's a, uh, uh, an array of emotions, and it's the words that the heart can't express. So the tears are are those words that you just can't capture. Um, well, you mentioned that you are an author, and you created the title, I think it's called Finding Pockets of Sunshine. Yes. The title. So yes. tell us a little bit more of this children's book that you have created and that's going to be launched out. And I'm just curious, was it for your daughters or did it come out of the story of your daughters or is it the inner child in you finding those pockets of sunshine? I um, came up with the idea in a meditation. And so to answer your question, there's little bits and pieces of my story and my daughter's story 
um, in the book. And, you know, it came to me one day because when I was looking for a book about a South Asian family going through mental health and grief, I could not find anything that I could relate to um, that my children could relate to. So um, I was introduced to this amazing writing team um, that I was actually working on a different project. And I remember telling this writing coach and I said, I don't know, but something is calling in me to do a children's book. And this conversation was about a year and a half ago. And I had just come back from a meditation retreat. And within months, the story just started flowing out of me. And I had written out the story. And then now we are just putting the illustrations with the story um, and the book is basically about an eight-year-old girl. Her name is Anisha. Um, she is of South Asian background. She loses her father. And the story is going to take you on a beautiful emotional journey of how she navigates loss and grief and mental health and how she finds pockets of sunshine along the way. So my biggest um, mission with this book is um, coming from a South Asian background, we deal with so much stigma when it comes to mental health. Um, you know, I mean, globally, even just what I went through as a South Asian woman. And for me, starting conversations about mental health at an early age is so incredibly important because it allows children to process all these different emotions, sadness, um, excitement, uh, you know, anger, uh, depression. And to have these types of conversations at an early age, like seven or eight, is so pivotal for, um, for our generations to come because by the time they are teenagers or adolescents, it's normal to talk about this and it's normal to say, Hey, I'm struggling. I'm feeling depressed. I need to get help. So to me, it was a no brainer. Let's, let's do this project. Let's um, start uh, just spreading awareness from an early age and what better way to do it than a children's book. Thank you for being vulnerable and, and, you know, sharing aspects of you yet really being grounded in your meditation and allowing, you know, down deep in the ethers to come out in you and you being that vessel of, you know, bringing out the message for others and creating a new path and, you know, removing those stigmas, like you said, um, that we have to now create a new way that there's no more of, oh, well, my culture and this. And it's like, no, we're going to create a new language, a new space where we're going to normalize these things so that we can understand what it is to be human. We can understand that, you know, not just talk about, we'll go ask for help, really demonstrate what that looks like and give yeah. people the tools to be able to access that. Cause you know, a lot of times people here will just go ask for help and it's like, well, if it was so easy, I would do it. I don't know the steps of what that looks like. And you're not understanding what's going on internally. So understanding what the shame and the guilt and the stigma is how that stops you from having that bridge to take that, you know, step over into help. So really 
you know, creating the environment to have language for people because, you know, it becomes a catchphrase, just go ask for help. And it's like, if, if I wish I could do it, yeah. so letting people understand like, yeah, internally it is difficult to ask for help. So understanding yes. what that looks like internally so that people can start, you know, creating their own tools to go past what those narratives and what those feelings and, you know, unfortunately the stigmas of culture and religious Absolutely. beliefs and stuff like that. I'm going to bring you into a reflective question. I'm going to ask you to take your awareness right now and go back to your 18 year old self. And you have three words you can tell your 18 year old self to bring you to the journey right now. What would those three words be? Resilience, love, and surrender. Very powerful words. I want to thank you, Monica. I didn't even realize how enriched and in-depth this conversation was going to be. My nervous system is just <laughs> ringing out. I so appreciate you are such a light giver in this world. As I mentioned before, and as you said, it was dharmic. I used alchemy that you use those impurities and you've turned them into gold and that other people get to benefit and you're just so giving of yourself um, and you really understand what service can do to bring that fulfillment and connect you back into joy and purpose because, you know, uh, one part of grief that people don't talk about is the suicidal ideation and, you know, the will to want to get back up and uh, it, it's, it's some dark waters that people have to go through and that suicidal ideation can be real quicksand to drag you down. Um, and you know, when you find those things that give you purpose outside of yourself, because you just can't not able to connect with self, um, it's important. So thank you for all that you're doing in the world. It is so much and thank you. And I want to thank your daughters for sharing their mother with the world. That Aww. is a huge thing. So thank you to your daughters and your parents and thank you to your cheerleaders that keep you grounded, keep you loved, keep you secure so that you can still keep your cup full and, you know, whatever runneth over, we get to enjoy. So thank you so much for being a guest. And I look forward to bringing you back again so that we can dive some more into some more depths and, and you know, celebrate your book also. Do you know when it's going to be, when the date is coming out or... Yeah, so our goal is to launch at Diwali, which is our Indian New Year, uh, which is November 2024. And the reason I want to launch it around that time is Diwali is light versus darkness. Yes. And we want to bring light into this world with uh, pockets of sunshine. Um, and I also want to say thank you, Natalie, for the work that you do. Um, being able to be on your platform share my story, use my voice. Um, and you know, all the amazing guests that you interview, um, it's, these conversations are so necessary and it literally takes just one person listening to conversation to change and to open up their heart, change the world, change their mindset. So 
thank you for having me on your platform. And I'm so incredibly excited to come back. And I'm so thankful for this beautiful soul to soul conversation with you. It's been an honor. And um, as I said, I've I've been really energized with this conversation. Uh, anybody that is in your energy field, I don't, I'm sure you've heard this a lot. They get energized. They can feel the energy from you. So thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Please remember to be kind to yourself.